All right, so we are looking at the end of chapter seven. Uh, this is where actually, we're actually gonna finish off the Sermon on the Mount today. And uh, with a very important teaching here from Jesus about the path God has given us and staying on the path. And so before we read here, let's, um, open, let's go with prayer. So Lord, we pray as uh, we look at your word and read it and hear it, give us eyes to see and hearts to understand. Um, what you're trying to tell us and the grace you've given us in your son and the way we are to, to know you and to follow you and to live our lives. Um, pray that you would give, receive all the praise and glory from us. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I was preparing for this message on paths and this idea of paths here, I was reminded of an experience from my childhood. I was 12, I think I was about 12, and uh, my family was at a state park and uh, we were, brother and I, running around all over the place, following the trails and stuff. And, uh, and off the trail, I see there's this fallen log with a, a after it was fallen, there was, it appeared that like they put a sign on it, but it was too small to read. And so I, let, I leave the trail and I walk over to the, to the log and I peer down at the little, squint down at the little sign and read it. And what do you suppose it said? Don't leave the path. <laughs> And as you can imagine, a little frustrated, like, uh, uh, what good is a sign <laughs> that tells, that a warning sign that you have to leave the path to go read? <laughs> like, what good is this doing? And, uh, and it looks like it was actually made that way. It's not like it was, the sign was up there and then it fell. Like, no, no, this, this, it was printed, it was put stamped on the fallen tree after it had fallen because it was, the, the writing was already upright for you to read. So they, they put it that way. Um, so, um, so that we have that warning, stay on the path. And in Matthew 7, Jesus teaches us about the paths of our life and the importance on staying on God's path. And so we're going to look at, start with uh, Matthew 7, looking at, starting in verse 13 here. We'll look in a couple verses at a time. And Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So from these verses, Jesus makes it very clear. There are only two paths in life. The path of life and the path of destruction. Um, but honestly, I think the first thing we should take from that is, is actually great hope and encouragement because in our confused, <clears throat> mixed up, cynical, troubled world, we have this promise, this certainty, there is a path of life. What, and what good news that is. There is a path of life. And, uh, and honestly, the, the, this path of life, I mean, the Bible talks about it throughout, but we've been going through a, a really good summary of it these last few months in the Sermon on the Mount of what, what that path of light looks like. Um, and so this path, as, as the words here say, it might be hard to find. Uh, it, it may be narrow. It, may, it is difficult, but it is there. It exists. And this good path is given by God. Proverbs chapter 2, 6 through 10 says this, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. 
He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and, and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. That sounds like a good path, right? That sounds like a path you want to be on. And in life we know there, there, there are hundreds of paths, each with their own sign saying, you know, hey, go this way. And it can be troubling and confusing. What do you trust? And we know you can trust the path that God has given. You can trust what he has given us. Everything else is part of that, that broad path of destruction. And I, when I was thinking about this, it kind of reminded me of the airport. Like when, you, when you're at the airport, you're going through the concourses. I mean, you, you want, there's one destination you want to go to. So that means you have to go to the one gate that boards the one plane going to where you want to go. And in that context, every other gate is the wrong gate. They all, all the other gates belong to the broad path of not where you want to be, <laughs> right? And we also know in, in really big, busy airports with people moving all around, it's really easy I mean, to kind of get elbow to elbow and just kind of start to go with the flow of where all the people are going in one direction. It can actually be really easy to end up in the wrong place. You have to be very intentional to go, hey, no, I need to get to this concourse, to this gate. And you kind of have, kind of have to, to, to fight your way a bit to make sure you get there on time so you don't miss your plane. And in life, God has given us the gate and the path that leads to life. Now, if you find it, he says, right? Jesus was very, you know, blunt, blunt about this. If you find it, because sin blinds us, so we have to be shown it by God. And Jesus came so that we might find the gate and that we, you might walk the path. John 10, 7 through 9 says, So Jesus, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And pasture for sheep, well, that, that's the good life. That's, that's everything you need for abundant life. But also John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And uh, this reminds me of an experience on the North Shore. Uh, this is uh, the second year of Rachel's and I marriage. We're up there. It's before we had any kids. And we're, we're, we're up there camping, and we're, there's other campers there, and they told us, oh, oh you simply have to go to Oberg Mountain. It has the best view of Lake Superior. So we're like, okay, well, let's go check this out. How do we get there? And they said, well, it is hard to find. <laughs> but here's what you get. You got it. It's, it's in between Tofty and Lutzen, and there's this little brown sign at the turnoff, and it's really small. You might miss it. 
but uh, but it, that that's where it is. So so we went down driving down the the, the the you know the shoreline highway there, and sure enough, you know we blow right past it like oh too fast like wait but but we spotted oh there it is there's that brown sign so we go past find a place to turn around come back you know going real slow going, okay okay where's this turn where <laughs> there it is okay so we turn off there's the sign Oberg Mountain, and then that turn led us up a four mile gravel road. <laughs> And all the while, the f first time ever, you know, we were, were wondering to ourselves, does this actually go anywhere? Like, is this right? I mean, this, is, this feels just like an old logging road. Could, does this really go anywhere? <laughs> but we were rewarded a glimmer of hope at the top. Oh, there's, there, here's a parking lot. Okay, this seems like a right. And, oh, and here's a map that says, okay, here, take this three-mile loop. It'll take you to the top of the mountain and back down. Like, okay, we're... We must be going the right way. So we take the trail, and we, on the mountainside there, it, it is a thin, narrow trail. There's no guardrail. There's, it's just trees and drop-off. Uh, but we get there to the top, and when we got to the top, it was exactly what was promised. Like, the, the, my opinion, the, the best view of Lake Superior. It's still one of my favorite places to go, although... Right now, it's like, okay, what kind of safety harnesses do I want on my kids if I'm walking this trail? Um, but this, this, this is a lot like the path that Jesus described. There's, it's, the entrance is narrow and hard to find. You have to be told, you have to be shown, you have to be told where it is. And the path is hard. You have to intentionally stick to it or you're going to lose your way. And you might even, while you're going, you might even have times where you're wondering, does this actually go anywhere? And so you have to trust your guide. You have to just stick with what you've been told. You have to trust your guide, trust that, that light that lights your path one step at a time. And we have that good promise here that Jesus is your guide. He is, he is that gate that brings you in and he is also your guide that shows you the way. And this is why he came. He came to call the lost and the wandering. He came to wake up those who are sleepwalking on the path of destruction so that they might know that Jesus is the Christ who saves them from their sins and brings them to God so that they might know him and be on the path of life. And so Jesus, he is calling to everyone and to you, and he's saying, enter by the gate, enter that narrow gate, come in. Leave the path of destruction and walk on the path of life. And then to those who have been shown the path, to his disciples, Jesus warns us. He says, stay on the path. Stay on the path. Matthew 7, starting verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will 
recognize them by their fruits. So scripture consistently warns that there will be false prophets in every generation that will lead people away from the path of God. And so Jesus instructed his followers to test the leaders before he follow them. And, he, and this is not just religious leaders. This is, this is any person that's teaching about the nature of reality and the way you should live your life. And so you must test their fruit. And this means you, you test their teaching, their, their practice, and their character. And scripture says that the most important test of their teaching is the gospel of Christ. Galatians 1 verses 8 through 9 says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. That's, that is a serious warning, and we should treat it so. And the, but the gospel he's talking about here, it's, it's beautifully summarized in Romans 3, verses 21 through 25. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And the, the letter of 1 John chapter 4 adds this, it says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So if a religious leader does not teach that Jesus is the Christ whose death and resurrection saves you from your sins, and this is received by faith, then he is not from God. He is false. Secondly, the, the teacher's practice matters. Uh, again, back to that in the letter of 1 John, chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. By this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So pretty clear, your practice must be imitating Jesus. Uh, and this reminds me of, of something that uh, when I was a young officer on my first ship, um, and then there was about 12 of us in that same group of uh, all trying to get our certifications or our qualifications, all training on the job. And there's something a lot of my peers would say to each other, which is, fake it until you make it. 
Maybe you've heard that phrase, fake it until you make it. And I think what they meant was, you know, speak with the confidence you wish you had. You know, speak, speak confidently about the knowledge you're trying to attain as if you already have it. Um, but when I was, part of my training took me through the gas turbine engine power plant on the Arleigh Burke Destroyer. And I, when I was training there, I quickly came to really despise that saying, fake it till you make it. Uh, because when it comes to engineering or, or anything else on the destroyer, right? Because <laughs> oh, it's all engineering and weapons. Like, you can't fake it until you make it. That doesn't work. Like, you must really know how those machines operate. And if you don't know, you shouldn't touch them, right? They, 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 I know you all have lots of parallels and other lines of work that, that you understand that importance. Because if you're wrong, ugh, the cost is too high. And especially in where I was, I mean, it's life-threatening costs if you don't know what you're doing with these things. So if you're, if you're faking engineering knowledge, you stay away until you actually really know it. Don't fake it. And likewise, in this subject, I mean, since there is a path of life, well, don't fake it until you make it. Find out what it is and go do it. And since Jesus is the Christ, believe in him and follow him. Learn all that he instructed and do it. And a religious leader who is living contrary to what Jesus taught and then who also refuses correction is false. He may be saying the right things, but if he's not following Jesus, then he's not leading you to follow Jesus. And he will actually be leading you off the path. 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And then finally, test their character. Does the leader's attitude and spirit, does it reflect Jesus? And I'm sure most of you, you can think of someone who knew all the right answers and, and was very proficient in what they did. They, they did all the right things, but they were unbearable to be around. And it maybe they were arrogant or proud or they were rude and dismissive or harsh or just selfish and uncaring, you know, or, or much worse. I mean, you think you can, sure, you can think of things much worse. And this is all contrary to the, the character and the spirit of Jesus. Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if the spirit of Jesus is in you, then these attributes will be growing in you. Now, you'll never be perfect in them in this life, but Jesus also said, blessed are the meek, and the meek are willing to receive correction. And so, I urge you, test leaders' character, observe them. Are they like Jesus? Are they becoming like Jesus? If their character is not like Jesus, then they are not leading you to become like Jesus. And that should be a warning sign to you. And so these tests of, of teaching, practice, and character, they, 
They actually come from, from Jesus, what Jesus says next in this same text. And he, but he says it to everyone. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so not everyone who calls Jesus the Christ, who just says the words, will enter the kingdom. You must obey not just in word, but in deed and in truth. And you don't get into the kingdom by just doing the deeds and or doing great things for him. You must know him. And so what does this mean? Well, you must be born again through faith in Jesus Christ and his spirit will dwell in you so that you have a new heart and you know God by his spirit and by his word. So through Jesus, he's the gate we know. Through him, we know God. And 1 John chapter 5 summarizes this very well. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of God. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So through Jesus, you are born of God. You come to know him and love him. And you show your love for him by following him and by loving your neighbor. And with this also is this promise from John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so I just want to close here with, with Jesus, the words Jesus closed his sermon with here from verse 24. And with all that we've said here, you can see why Jesus says this here. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So we have that blessed promise and also that warning, the two paths. But we also have this, this wonderful news. Jesus is the Christ. His is your, he is the victory that has overcome the world, and it's your victory. And he brings you the knowledge of God through which you have eternal life. So put your faith in Jesus, enter by the gate, and stay on the path of eternal life. And don't let anyone lead you away from the path. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word to us, your instruction, your, your teaching that shows us, that illuminates our hearts and shows us the path of life and the path of destruction and so that we might 
see the path of life and choose it and follow you and, and know you, the one true living God who is our eternal life. And pray that all of us here, would, our faith would be strengthened, that we would see you clearly and you'd give us hearts, change our hearts to love you and follow you all of our days. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.